when you're really stressed out, you can actually lose up to 70% blood flow to your prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of the brain, which is a key, like a really important part of your brain, because that's where you do a lot of your intellectual thinking and learning and retaining information, decision-making, creativity. So, you know, how can you be making good day-to-day decisions, let alone life decisions when you're stressed out? (laughs) One of the biggest barriers to good health, happiness, and success is stress. Today, I'm joined by stress and body-mind health expert, Dr. Jennifer Harrison. Dr. Jen has studied the impact stress has on our body, mind, and spirit for the last 33 years, and her number one focus is to help people manage and process stress, as well as learn powerful success principles to manifest the business and life they want without having to sacrifice their health and happiness. In this episode, we're going to talk about how our mindset and limiting beliefs can contribute more to body-mind stress, and on the other side of the coin, how a success mindset can help relieve stress and make it easier to achieve our goals. Dr. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you? Good, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. Stress, something that every single one of us experiences in every part of our life. It could be positive stress or chronic stress, but it's something that we just have to live with. So the first thing that I want to talk about is how did you actually get into the study of stress and what it does to our mind and body? Well, I kind of feel like my whole life journey has led me to where I am now in, in terms of helping uh, mainly female entrepreneurs and professionals, you know, manage their stress and, and help create a success mindset. So it, it really started when I was a kid. When I was in elementary school, I wanted to be a teacher. And when I was in high school, I started high school, I wanted to be a psychologist. <laughs> and then I later developed an interest in athletic therapy. And so I ended up with a university degree studying um, with a major in psychology and a minor in zoology, where I studied anatomy and physiology and advanced human anatomy. And then later on went uh, on to study athletic therapy and became a certified athletic therapist in Canada. So that was in the mid to late eighties. And that's when I was first exposed to um, sports psychology. It was just starting to become more well-known and more prevalent, not only in terms of sports performance, but also there was some really interesting research that was being done in using uh, guided imagery to help elite athletes heal from injuries or from surgeries that they've needed to help with their injuries. And then in the, again, in the late eighties, early nineties, just with some of the professional development courses I was taking, I got exposed to Dr. Deepak Chopra and uh, a woman, Dr. Joan Borisenko, who was one of the co-founders of the mind body medicine clinic at Harvard uh, medical school. And so I just kept on reading books and, (laughs) and taking courses and, and, and it was a key part of what I incorporated into my practice. Uh, two, first as an athletic therapy practice. And then I went back to school in the nineties to become a chiropractor as well. So I've always taken a mind body approach with my, with my patients because, uh, you know, someone might come to me with a neck pain or low back pain, but I would always be asking, well, you know, what are your, what are your stress levels at work or what, what's your personal stress levels like? Because yeah, they might come to me with a physical ailment of some kind, whether it be, you know, physical pain or, you know, digestive system problems. But once I got in, in conversation with them, I would find out that, you know, maybe there was high stress at work because of their boss, or maybe their company had been, you know, taken over by another company and they were in transition, or, you know, maybe they were going through a divorce or were having to, you know, care for an aging parent. And so, 
if those aren't addressed, you're not going to get uh, the same results as if you're only treating the, the physical body. So over the years, I've, I've come to you know, look at the, the mind and body. Obviously, they're totally interconnected, and it's literally impossible to separate the two. Harvard Medical School that I mentioned before, they've had a mind-body medicine clinic since 1982. So it's been around for a long time. It's just taken a long time for that to filter into mainstream healthcare. But yeah, and so I've always had a low-volume practice as well. I like to spend quality time with my patients. But around 2008, I realized I wanted to be able to reach more people. And so I had an idea for a book, but I was already um, doing a lot of teaching actually um, at some colleges and universities in the city. Plus I uh, created some professional development courses for healthcare professionals. So it was uh, my uh, writing my book was, was slow going as it often is <laughs> for writers and for authors. And then in 2013, I came across a, a course on how to create uh, a membership website. And I knew I was going to need a, a website as a platform for my book. And so I created that with a focus on stress. My business is called uh, Stress Self to Best Self. And in 2015, I self-published my first book called Stress Self to Best Self, A Body, Mind, Spirit Guide to Creating a Happier and Healthier You. And like many entrepreneurs, my business has undergone a number of incarnations <laughs> over, the, over the years to get to where I am now, where I've, I've created some um, digital courses, as well as doing one-on-one -on -one success mindset coaching with, with, as I said, mostly female entrepreneurs and professionals, but I still maintain a, a part-time practice at a multidisciplinary clinic too. So I always say that if you're a human being living on planet earth, stress is going to be part of the picture. Like that's inescapable, but burnout is optional. And so all the techniques that I've learned along the way, I've had to learn in my life too. Uh, just because I'm a stress and body mind health expert doesn't mean that I'm immune to stress either. I've, you know, I've had to um, deal with loss uh, of my parents, you know, financial relationship stress, you know, what everyone <laughs> experiences along the way at some point or another. But I'm so grateful for my passion for studying mind body medicine and looking and learning new and different stress management tools and all the ones that I share with my with my students and with my clients. I I use myself. So there's, there's not going to be a technique that I'm going to use that I don't, that I haven't personally found value in. That's awesome. So if we leave stress unchecked, what are some of the short-term and then long-term um, health impacts that we might find from that? That's an excellent question. You know, it's interesting, especially with the with the global pandemic, there's been a lot of talk about mental health and mental health issues. I really wish they would call it body mind health issues <laughs> because mm -hmm. you can't have mental emotional stress without it, that affecting your body. It's, it's, it's impossible. So just as an example, and again, whether it's positive stress, negative stress, or, you know, combinations of that, as soon as you're experiencing stress of some kind, there's physiological changes that happen in the body. So you get increased um, production and cortisol, which is a, a stress hormone produced by your adrenal glands. You get more um, adrenaline, epinephrine, uh, norepinephrine uh, circulating in the body. You actually get a decrease in blood flow to your digestive system. So that's why a lot of people, when they're stressed, they end up with, you know, with reflux or, you know, an extreme would be irritable bowel syndrome, but uh, they'll end up with a lot of gastrointestinal problems. Well, that's because you can't be running around stressed and eating and, and hoping that your body's going to digest things at the same time. You actually get a decrease in blood flow. Um, you get a slowing down of the physical um, movement of the food going through and even a decrease in digestive enzymes. You get increased muscle tension. When you're really stressed out, you can actually lose up to 70% blood flow to your prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of the brain, which is a key, like a really important part of your brain, because that's where you do a lot of your intellectual thinking and learning and retaining information, decision-making, creativity. 
So, you know, how can you be making good day-to-day decisions, let alone life decisions when you're stressed out? (laughs) And certainly stress has been associated in the long term with all sorts of different diseases from diabetes to high blood pressure to stroke to cancer as i said digestive long term digestive system problems hormone imbalances so i think it's really imp- like i think people appreciate it on a certain level but i think it's really important for people to fully understand that stress is a full body mind health experience yeah that's that's so important oh and i didn't even sorry sorry i didn't even mention what it does to your immune system yeah that's a very (laughs) important one too yes very important one yeah because when you yeah when your stress goes up and the cortisol level goes up the effectiveness of your immune system uh, goes down and in fact there's just as an example there's a specific antibodies or immunoglobulins are called in your saliva and the amount of them actually decreases when you're stressed out wow (laughs) yeah yeah, that's that's so important. So what are some of the foundational ways that we can start to manage stress? And I want to ask from a perspective of like chronic stress, something that's been going on for a very long time. How do you really start to get out of that? Because I think once you're you're so deep in that chronic stress, it can be really hard to bring those levels back down and get back to a state of normality. Yeah, absolutely. There's two or three key things that I like to share with people. The first one is I call it the basics, (laughs) which I really feel is a foundational piece for managing stress. And that's, you know, making sure you're drinking lots of water, like at least a liter and a half to two liters, minimizing or eliminating your caffeine and alcohol uh, intake, making sure that you're eating healthily at regular intervals uh, throughout the day, trying to get enough sleep, like maybe going to bed an hour earlier than, than you usually do. And even other things too. I mean, we've all become a addicted um, to a tech. <laughs> so our cell phones, tablets, um, computers and whatnot. And so, you know, the research has been pretty clear that, you know, we all need to be turning those off at least an hour before we go to bed so that we're not. And so, but a lot of people are, you know, they're checking social media, they're checking the news <laughs> right before they go to bed. And so, I mean, that uh, doesn't uh, bode well for getting a good night's sleep. And so I found, I call those the foundational pieces because, and I, or I call them the basics and there is it really is a foundational piece so that your body, at least has a fighting chance (laughs) to help um, deal with some of the negative impacts of stress. The next thing is to really look at what's contributing to your stress. So in a chronic stress situation, it's important to dive into that a little bit deeper because sometimes it can be like over the years, I've had patients, you know, stuck in a job that they really didn't like, and they weren't happy with it. It was impacting their physical health and well-being, but they were too scared to be looking for another job. They kind of got stuck in the, you know, it's easier to deal with the devil, you know, than the devil you don't know. But as soon as the, and so I would just gently encourage them to just like explore the possibilities and oh my gosh, like every single time that they finally, you know, took the leap and got, you know, exploring job possibilities and changed jobs. Oh my gosh, they were so much happier. So a lot of times we limit ourselves and we actually contribute to some of the chronic stress that we're experiencing. And so the other thing too, is that it's really important to have some simple tools to be dealing with the stress from the day to day. And so there's simple ones, like just even breathing meditations. And there's a simple one that like, I've even done this at the grocery store, actually, (laughs) just standing in line is just a a simple uh, taking a deep breath in and breathe out and do that 10 times. And I like to use a mantra, a simple one I like to to use uh, that I use and I teach people is just to say to yourself, as you inhale, I breathe in relaxation. And then as you breathe out, you say, I breathe out tension. 
and you just repeat that to yourself 10 times. And um, I encourage people to do that, like, you know, once an hour throughout the day, I always joke, you know, you're going to be breathing anyway, <laughs> so you may as well use it to your full advantage. So by doing something like that, or even standing and stretching or, you know, getting up and getting a drink of water, that way you're mitigating the stress. So instead of the stress, you know, increasing, increasing, increasing as the day goes on so that you've got a high level of stress at the end of the day that you've somehow got to lower before you can even have a hope of getting a good night's sleep. This way you're mitigating it. So the stress levels go up, but then you can bring it down. So then you just kind of modulate it as the day goes on. So your stress levels won't be as high at the end of the day. And, um, and, you know, I mean, there's a ton of apps that, you know, that are, are available out there that have different meditations on them, which are wonderful. But, you know, I had, I had a patient uh, a while ago and so we were talking about some of the stress that she was having at work. And I was saying, oh, have you been doing, you know, the breathing meditation, you know, we had, that I had shown, you know, a month or so before, but she had been using an app on her phone and she goes, oh, well, you know, I can't use the, I can't use my phone at work. I can't, you know, use that app at work. And I said, well, you can just breathe. <laughs> you don't need an app for that. <laughs> So, you know, sometimes we just get tunnel vision, right? It happens to all of us on different things. I mean, you know, we all, we all have those lapses, but it was just really interesting that, yeah, that she had literally limited herself and thought that she could only use the, the, the app on her phone to decrease stress when she had a, a handy tool, you know, in her, in her pocket already. I also encourage people to have kind of like have a go-to list of, of tools, whether it be there's, you know, different types of breathing meditations or like a stretch or movement that they can do and have that already in place. So that if you get, get surprised by something, you know, maybe you get some bad news or, you know, something happens at work that really spikes your stress, then you, you don't have to think about it. You know, you've got it written down in your phone, or you've got it written down on a piece of paper in your wallet that you can just go to and go, Oh yeah, I can do that breathing meditation or, Oh yeah, I can use that mantra. Because as I said before, when, when you get really stressed out, the part of your brain that would normally be creative about different things that you could do to relieve stress, it's not working. Like, I mean, it might literally have lost up to 70% of the blood flow that's carrying oxygen and glucose to it. So if you can sort of plan ahead and just have some little go-to things, it could even be, you know, like a favorite photograph that you have, maybe of a holiday that you took or someone you love or your pet or something so that you've got, you've got an instant go-to to, to help deal with things. If some, you know, additional stress pops up, which it invariably does, because we're all human beings living on planet earth and, and stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that, especially with the, the photograph, like that's a really good idea to have. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very powerful. So if we have been suffering a, a period of chronic stress, does it take an amount of time to bring those levels down and say like relieve some of that cortisol in, in the body or is that something that you can do quite quickly if you have these techniques in place and you work on them every day? Yes, that's a that's an excellent question. I'm going to address it in a, two different ways. One is there's a wonderful technique um, that I'm trained in called emotional freedom techniques, also known as EFT, or sometimes it's just referred to as tapping. And it's an energy psychology technique that combines tapping over a specific set of acupressure points over the head and upper body while you're verbally stating what's bothering you. And the technique has been around since the early 90s. And it was actually a, a 
a modification of an existing technique that had been developed by a psychologist in the 80s. But anyway, there's been a, a ton of studies actually showing physiological changes in terms of really significant drops in cortisol, even after just doing EFT for an hour and uh, boosting the immune system. So having increase in the immunoglobulins in your saliva that I was talking about before. And so, yeah, you literally can make some really significant changes in a, in a very short period of time, whether you're dealing with an acute stressful situation or whether you're dealing with chronic stress. And so the technique is really amazing because there's professionals like psychologists. I'm, you know, I use it. It's one of the key tools I use in my success mindset coaching to help deal with limiting beliefs and, and the stress around, but then you can also learn one of the basic techniques to use as a self-care tool. And so I have a tutorial on my website and there's some, you know, resources there and there's some, you know, wonderful books out there with EFT and, and you can find, you know, tapping meditations on, on YouTube and other places too. But yeah, I refer quite a few people to the tutorial because it's, you know, within 25 minutes, you can learn how to do it <laughs> and yeah. And then start using it just to deal with your day-to-day -day stress. It's very effective. And, and literally you can start making changes within, within minutes with that. And certainly if you, you know, set aside time to do it for like 30 minutes, or, you know, if you've got time to do, you know, an hour of it even better, but you know, even if you don't, even if you only have a few minutes, you can literally make significant changes at a body mind level that's measurable. Another thing I love about the technique is that there's actually a scale that's built into it. It's called the subjective units of distress scale. So let's say, let's just say you're, you were worried about a job interview that, that you're going to be doing, and you could rate the intensity of that on a scale of a zero to 10. And so let's say it was a seven. Well, you can write that down and then you can do a few, we call it doing a few rounds of tapping because you're repeatedly tapping over the set of acupressure points. And then after a couple of minutes, you can revisit that and see how it's changed. So maybe it's gone from a seven to a five, or sometimes it'll drop right down to a two within just a, a few minutes. So you have objective measures of your stress levels. And, and so you can, you can experience that as well as tune into how you're feeling changes in your body as well. That's awesome. Can you give me a, just a brief overview of that? Do the different points do different things? Are there certain reasons you would use different tapping points for different stress, or is it all kind of the same process? It's basically the same uh, process. You go through the series um, of tapping over the, the points in a specific sequence. The technique is very forgiving. So like if you were to miss a, a set of points, you would still get some good results, but it, it is designed to, to do the tapping points in a specific sequence because they're covering a whole bunch of different aspects. And, and what, they're sh what they show is that by tapping over the specific set of acupressure points, it actually sends a calming signal to your brain, to the amygdala in your brain. You have an amygdala in each hemisphere of your brain. So it sends a calming signal. So then it really helps to calm your nervous system so that you're moving from what's known as fight or flight mode when you're in stress mode to the opposite of that, which is actually called rest and digest mode. <laughs> and uh, so how tapping through the specific sequence helps and how that works with EFT. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to have to go and watch some of those tutorials for myself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a tutorial on how to do it. And then I've created a bunch of um, EFT tapping meditations to help with overwhelm, anxiety, fear, dealing with change, fear of public speaking, stress around exams, a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. That's fantastic. So can we talk a little bit about limiting beliefs and yes. overcoming those and just the tagline of our show as well is that we're only limited by what we believe that we are limited. And I think it's one of our favorite talking points, but what are some of the strategies that you work through with your clients to first identify what those core limiting beliefs are and how do we start to break those down? Yes. Well, it's one of my favorite talking points too, Rachel. 
<laughs> so I love the I love the tagline for your show, and it's it's a hundred percent hundred percent true. So what I've found over the years in my own life, as well as with my clients and and with my patients, is that it's often our approach to life that can actually um, exacerbate stress or make stress worse than it already is. So some of the limiting beliefs could be, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't have anybody to help me, I don't have enough resources, I'm not rich enough, I'm not skinny enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. You know, nothing ever works out for me. You you know, the list goes on and on. And, and a lot of the limiting beliefs that we have were actually instilled in childhood. They were either modeled to us by our parents and how they manage stress or didn't manage stress and, or could have been like directly taught to us, you know, like it's, it's selfish to, to take care of yourself, you know, to do something that you like to do, you know, you have to do what everybody else wants to do because it's not polite, you know, to do what you want to do or to, you know, to take time for yourself. That's being lazy. You know, if you're, if you're taking a a mental health day, that would be considered lazy, you know, depending on the work ethic that was, that was taught to you or modeled to you by your parents or or teachers. So a lot of times they end up running um, in the background. It's almost like the operating system, you know, on your computer, you don't think about it when you're, you know, having a zoom call or, (laughs) or checking emails or social media, but it's running in the background. So a lot of times their limiting beliefs are running in the background. And so by addressing those and helping to process them, then that can help help to relieve a lot of stress. Because if your perspective, say you have a belief that that it's selfish and that it's, it's wrong to be selfish and it's wrong to like take time for yourself, that you have to do everything for everybody else. Well, you're putting a heap of stress, additional stress on yourself that you don't need to be. And so by, by getting down to the bottom of that in terms, and EFT is wonderful for, for doing that, especially if you're working with say a coach like myself who has been trained in it, or, you know, depending on what, on, on how, how deep it is, sometimes people need to work with a psychologist as well. Yeah. By just shifting that and being able to, to process it and to see how it's been operating in your life, not only in the current stress situation, but maybe in past, in, you know, situations, oh my gosh, well then, you know, to clear that out, you've just cleared up and freed up bandwidth to to deal with your day-to-day stress or to deal with a situation that's uh, that's stressing you out. So our belief systems play a really a very significant role more than more than people think that they do. Yeah, absolutely. And what are some of the practices you have to start to reframe those and transition from that limited mindset to the positive success mindset? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is is identifying it and naming it. <laughs> and so the work that I do with people, and I mean, even just encouraging people just to, to sit back and go like, you know, how are you contributing to this? And that could start right from self-care. You know, like, are you burning the candle at both ends? Are you putting everybody else first? Or are you actually scheduling time for yourself and putting yourself in your own schedule? That's a a tool that I teach people is, yeah, like maybe you need to make, you know, between nine and 10 a.m. every morning, uh, a non-negotiable, like put it in your in your schedule, because we when you think of all the things that we schedule, you know, we schedule in, you know, dentist appointments, we schedule in, you know, Zoom meetings, we schedule in getting your hair cut or going to a chiropractor or massage therapist or your acupuncturist. And so you would never just blow that off, right? You wouldn't just like not show up. You know, those are things that you put in your schedule and, and unless something crazy happens, you're going to honor those. But we don't tend to do that for ourselves. And so I encourage people to, to do that. And it's a learned skill. So it's something that you're going to have to work at, but I also teach people to practice, you know, what they could say if someone says, Oh, can you help me at like nine 30? And to be able to say, Oh, I'm sorry. I actually have something scheduled at that time. What about 10 30? 
And so you don't have to tell them that you're, you're the one in your own schedule. <laughs> you don't have to tell them that, but even just the, the self-care practices are, are good, good habits, but that's also, you know, it could be a limiting belief that you need to overcome because, you know, you were taught as a kid, and I think this is going to be a little bit as a like kind of a general statement, but I think as women, we are certainly taught that, you know, we've got to help everybody else before you know, we do anything for ourselves and certainly more in my generation, maybe than in yours, but that was certainly prevalent, <laughs> but I, I see it repeated over and over again with young moms too, with children that they're kind of modeling what their parents and grandparents had done too, and just, and not making time for themselves. So self-care is a really important tool. And a lot of times we don't take care of ourselves because of limiting beliefs. You know, we don't deserve to, to, you know, take care of ourselves or it's selfish to do that. So therefore it's wrong. And uh, so just being able to identify that and then just seeing, you know, where it pops up in other parts too, where, you know, maybe it's not necessarily our family that's asking us for help all the time. It could be at work. Maybe you're the go-to person, you know, you've become the go-to person at work and there can be a reward with that, but then there could be a cost to that as well. Yeah, that's so important. And I've done that myself, scheduling time in my calendar physically just to block out, you know, whether it's downtime or an activity or something. and then having to, to train yourself to not feel guilty about it. I say it yes. definitely gets easier, but in the beginning it's hard because you, you feel for me, you feel this kind of guilt around, Oh, but I, I've got this time available. And someone asks you for something in that time and think, well, no, I need to, I need to be, be strict on this to a certain degree to actually build that habit. But yes, it's something I believe it definitely gets easier the more that you do it. Yeah. And that's where tools like emotional freedom techniques can come in to help deal with the guilt. Yeah. Even though I feel guilty at a nine out of 10 for taking time <laughs> for myself that, you know, that's one of the statements that you could use uh, when you're doing the EFT tapping. So yeah, so it's good to have additional tools to, uh, yeah, to be addressing the discomfort that comes with starting to practice self-care. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So can we talk about having a success mindset? What would you say is a success mindset and how do you build that into your own belief system that, you know, yes, I do have a success mindset. Yeah. Success is a very interesting word um, because it means a whole lot of different things to a whole lot of different people. So it can be, have a positive connotation to um, denotation to it. It can have a negative connotation to it. Some people think that success is only about financial success. Some people uh, think that it's only around being a certain like weight or, you know, having a, a particular job or driving a particular car. But when I was in years ago, <laughs> when I was in university, I came across this wonderful quote by Robert Louis. Stevenson. And to me, it really embodies what having a success mindset is. And the quote is to be who we are and to become what we are capable of becoming is the only end in life. And I love this quote because the first part to be who we are, most of the time, we're not appreciating who we are or where we are, right? We're going, oh, well, I don't have this in my life. I don't have this in my life. I'm not as far along as I thought I would be. You know, I don't have the bank account I thought I would be, you know, I would have at this point. I mean, not in the relationship that I want. You know, you're focusing on, you know, on all the things that are, are absent from your life, <laughs> as opposed to giving yourself, you know, credit for where you are in this point in time. And that's a key success principle, actually, that I teach um, my students and, and coaching clients, too, is... Uh, 
is giving yourself credit every day for your successes through the day and keep a success journal. And so it can be something really simple. Like, you know, maybe you, you know, maybe you drank two liters of water today. Well, count that as a success, <laughs> you know, cause maybe the day before, you know, you were lucky if you got a liter of water, you know, maybe you did your breathing meditation, you know, two times in the day, which is better than zero times. So give yourself credit for that too. So, so if, I, I love that part, like to be who we are and just being like, just acknowledge yourself and give yourself credit for where you are right now in this moment in time. No, it might not be exactly where you want to be, but give yourself credit for all the work that you've done to get to this point. And then the other point is about developing your potential. And I was very fortunate to do training with, uh, with Jack Canfield. A lot of people know him for the chicken soup for the soul books, but he's also one of the top success trainers in the world. And one of the things that I love about the training there is that it really, he really takes uh, and teaches a holistic approach to success and looking at like seven or eight areas of your life. So it's not just about career, not just about profession, but it's also about, you know, your relationships. It's about your health. And, and I usually divide health into, you know, like fitness, but also then your body mind as well. You know, we look at spirituality, we look at, you know, community in terms of how you're contributing to community, your legacy, you know, what you want to leave behind, you know, for your family, for your community and looking at recreation too, you know, like what's on your bucket list in terms of, you know, activities that you want to do or places you want to travel to, or, you know, things that you want to experience. So it's really about um, setting goals and uh, looking at creating success in, in a number of different areas, not just in, in one or two. And so yeah, I think everybody needs to, to spend some time just reflecting on what success means to them, because it may not be the same definition that, you know, society may have or what they perceive society to have for them. It is, it is a personal thing, but as I said, I, I love that quote by Robert Louis Stevenson, because I really feel that that embodies key success principles in terms of appreciating yourself for where you are right now, but then also setting goals for, you know, in, in various areas of your life to work on. Yeah. Yeah. I love that quote as well. That's fantastic. I think it's also really easy for us to forget how far we've come and the goals that we've already achieved. And like you said, you get to a point, you're, oh, well, I'm not, you know, where I want to be work-wise or financially or relationship-wise, but you're so much further than, than where you were a couple of years ago, if you really look back and reflect on that. So I think that's probably another great exercise to do is reflection on the goals that you have achieved that you set in the past. Absolutely. And again, that's a learned skill because even in society, it's all about, oh, you need this to be happy. You need that to be happy. It's very, you know, forward, like future thinking, which, which, you know, has its benefits too. But if you get into the habit of, yeah, recording your, your daily successes, and like you said, exactly, um, taking time to reflect on your, yeah, like where you've come from and, you know, like where you were say five years ago to where you are now. And, and, you know, and maybe you're worse off now than you were five years ago, but at the same time, you're you probably you're stronger and being able to pull on a lot more resources than you would have had say maybe five or ten years ago so yeah it's a it's a it's a wonderful skill it's a wonderful exercise to do that that's very powerful yeah, yeah. and that that is a key part of, of having a success mindset yeah for sure yeah so where can people find out more about you and connect with you they can go to my website. It's just drjenniferharrison.com. So drjenniferharrison.com. And yeah, they can find out more about the online courses that I have, the success mindset coaching that I do. I've got some uh, really great freebies uh, on my homepage that people can download PDFs on how to free up uh, more time, PDF on how to free up 
for at least four hours a day instantly, how to boost your brain power and how to relieve money stress. And uh, yeah, so I've got some resources there, plus more information about EFT tapping as well. That's awesome. And final question, just from everything that we've talked about today, what is the number one message that you'd like someone to take away from the episode? I always find that question challenging because there's so many things that I want to share. But I think that what I'd like to share is for people to just keep things simple. We tend to make things way more complicated. We think we have to follow like a really rigid, you know, complicated regime, whether it be, you know, from diet to nutrition, to the meditations that we should be doing, to the journaling, to, you know, all these different things, but, but just keep it simple. And so maybe set one self-care goal a day, and that might be, you know, drinking more water, or it might be, you know, setting your cell phone timer so that once an hour, you know, you're doing a breathing meditation. So just keep it really simple. But if you're consistent with that, then it just continues continues to build and build and build. And, uh, and again, that's part of a success mindset and a way to, to manage and process our stress. That is wonderful. And that building habit stacking, just those little simple things. I think that's a fantastic takeaway. Yeah. That way we're not overwhelming ourselves. We're just keeping it simple and doable. And when it's simple and doable, then, then it's achievable. And then the reward just keeps on building and building and, and then, yeah, you, you see the significant changes over time. That's fantastic. Dr. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Thanks so much, Rachel. I really appreciate it. You can jump on to drjenniferharrison.com through the link in the show notes below. If you found value in this episode, please share it with one other person who you think would also find value in ways to manage stress and build a success mindset. I can't wait to have your company again next week. And until then, remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.